Let's pray. God, thank you for your presence here. Thank you that you're so near to us. Thank you, God, for loving us as a perfect father. I ask for that revelation this morning as a people that we would uh, have a deeper and greater revelation of your fatherly love for us. How amazing that we would be called children of God and that's what we are. Thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. morning. Happy Super Bowl Day. Happier if the good guys were in, right? I won't make any other comments. That's it. Robin, who may or may not be wearing a shirt. That didn't sound good. (laughs) I'm not going to go off script this morning. I have a couple of uh, sort of community notes uh, this morning, so let me just make you aware of a couple things happening. Uh, The Women's Conference is coming up. That is always a great time here at the Vineyard. That's February 20th and 21st, called this year Conversations with God. So really about being in the presence of God, gathering with the people of God. You can register for that in the lobby today. That's February 20 and 21. This Wednesday at 5.30 in the afternoon is our community night. Um, so that's the monthly time that we gather and we bless the people that are right around us. So we've got a food pantry, a clothing pantry, um, tutoring happens. So if you'd like to come and be a part of that, or you know someone that would like to, or needs to be a part of that, please come on out. I know at least one radical together group is going to come together and be a part of that. So that's really fun. That's this Wednesday, 530. Uh, coming in two weeks, Sunday, the 15th is our vineyard munch. That's our monthly lunch. But this time, drum roll, thank you, uh, is the chili cook-off. So if you would like to make chili, you have a special chili recipe that won't hurt anybody, um, come and uh, sign up for that today. If you don't want to make chili, you just want to come and eat it, you're welcome. Vineyard Munch, two weeks, great place to get to know one another. Um, Two other things. One, the ministry spotlight today is Haiti, specifically the Haitian Educational Literacy Project. Um, Ron Vitalis, who probably is shoveling snow right now. Thank you, Ron. Uh, Ron's been going to Haiti for more than 15 years. I traveled there with him and have seen some of the things that they do there. Um, the, the schools, the kids, the kitchens, the food that's given out there. It's an awesome program. And as a church, we sponsor 10 children. So, uh, so please go out in the lobby. You'll see a big pot with a cross around it and a nice guy whose name is Ron next to it. Go out there and find out all about Haiti. That's uh, one of the wonderful ministries that com- comes out of this church. And finally, just to let you know what's happening staff-wise, I'm not going anywhere. Don't, don't get nervous. You know. But Steve Sargent, <laughs> Steve has been our administrator for the last two years. In the next couple of months, he'll be transitioning out of that, not leaving our community, just transitioning out of that position. And so we'll be looking for an administrator. So you will uh, see that, um, that job description on our website in the next uh, week. I just wanted to let you know that's out there. If you or, or someone you know might be interested and qualified for that, you can look at that, talk with any of the elders, and that's coming in the next couple of months. So just so you know what's happening there. Okay. All right, that's enough for announcements. Let's, um, <clears throat> let's pray as we look to the scripture. God, we pray for grace this morning. Grace, Lord, that um, for me, that I can communicate what I know and believe is true. Grace for us as we listen, that we can take in truth. 
Grace God to discern how it impacts our lives. Pray for for grace to understand the scriptures. And Lord, I ask that you, um, by your power, would build strong foundations in our lives, in our um, understanding, in our belief, in our characters, and in our lifestyles. In Jesus' name, amen. So I don't know if you know this, uh, if you've uh, been around long enough, but there are basically three types of messages on a Sunday that I would give. One, um, one is kind of an action message. There have been a lot of those recently because Second Timothy is a big action thing. So in action messages, I focus on something to do. It's behavior. It's give, share, forgive, love, etc. Um, sometimes you hear attitude messages. Um, attitudes like hope or compassion. And there I'm asking you to, um, to have something, to have a, a mindset, a way of being, like compassion or hope or humility. And then there are truth messages. And that's where um, we're, we come to the scriptures and we try to discern what is it that we are to believe. And in, in essence, though truth messages aren't as, uh, um, you know, maybe practical in the what do we do with this, without truth messages, the lifestyle can't have its way. And so today is a truth message. Today is a foundational message. And um, believing these things that we talk about this morning from the scriptures won't make you live differently, okay? Any more than, you know, walking into McDonald's makes you a hamburger. Just believing the right things doesn't necessarily make you living out the faith. But without these beliefs, you can't live out the faith. So belief alone won't do it. But without the belief, you've got no foundation to walk from. So uh, I want to look at uh, 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2. I'm going to read these six verses. And again, I'm just going to focus on three of them. But let's read the scriptures in their entirety for context. This is 2 Timothy 2, 8 to 13. And this is the word of God. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descendant of David, according to my gospel, for which I suffer hardship, even to imprisonment as a criminal. But the word of God is not imprisoned. For this reason, I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen, so that they may also also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus, and with it eternal glory. And uh, listen, especially here is where I'm going to focus for the day. It's a trustworthy statement. For if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. So Paul says at the beginning of the, of, of the, the end of that passage, he says this is a trustworthy statement. So commentators will say this may be like an ancient hymn. So this was a, probably something that was heard before. Maybe Paul didn't just whip this off the top of his head, but they had crafted this as almost like a creedal statement. And so Paul's reminding Timothy, remember that trustworthy statement. And then he enumerates these four foundational truths. They're kind of step by step from conversion, where we meet Jesus, to glory where we spend eternity with Jesus. And uh, I want to go through these four if-then statements and and just help to build for us a foundation of truth. This is the theological basis for our lifestyle. 
right? You ever wonder, why do I do what I do? I'm going to help you understand the theological basis for our lifestyle. Paul goes back and he's talking about suffering and endurance again. Is anyone like, okay, enough of that, right? I was doing my Meeting God Daily project uh, back in the fall. We had uh, 60 of us who went through the daily office every single morning and evening together. And um, about half of that time, the reading was from the book of Job. And everyone's kind of like, I have had enough of Job. (laughs) Sometimes reading 2 Timothy, I think, haven't we heard enough about suffering and endurance? You know what Paul says? No, we haven't. So I want to go through these four statements. Just going to take a couple of minutes on each. I've got notes in your bulletin. So when I refer to scriptures, you have those to look at. Paul says, Here's the the bottom line. If we died with him, we also will live with him. This is conversion. This is that moment when you came to Jesus. You went through the sacrament of baptism at some point in your life. And that baptism signified your death with Jesus. Obviously, your physical body didn't die. but, But spiritually, your old self, the Bible says, the the old nature was crucified with Jesus. You put your faith in Jesus and you died. And that was good news. Because Paul says, if we died with him, we also will live with him. So the whole sacrament, the whole imagery of baptism is as believers, we're identifying with Jesus the same way that Jesus died and went into the grave and came back out of the grave and was resurrected by the power of God. That's what happened to us. This is, this is a reality in our lives as believers. You're dead. Because you're dead with Christ, you are alive with Christ. There's a new self. There's a new Judy. There's a new Keith. There's a new Isaac. There's a new all the people if I knew all the names, right? There's a new person. And that's why righteousness comes out of you sometimes. <laughs> right? Not all the time. But much more, righteousness comes out of you because your old self died and your new self was resurrected. 2 Corinthians 5.17 If any man or woman is in Christ, dead and raised, they're a new creation. The old things have passed away and behold, all things are new. This is the reality of your conversion. This uh, concept of identifying with the death and the resurrection of Jesus. I won't read through the scripture, but I'd encourage you, look to Romans chapter 6. Paul gives a great illustration, sort of seven verses saying the same thing over and over and over again. You died and were raised. You died and were raised. Your old self was died, was dead, was killed. (laughs) And consider yourself dead to sin, but alive to Christ, full of righteousness. And that's why I say we are now dead to sin. It doesn't mean we're not able to sin. It means it's no longer our first and natural proclivity. I don't get to use that word a lot. In other words, there's a sense of righteousness makes sense to you now. You're still able to sin, but here's the good news. You are able not to sin, right? If your old self died, you can actually, in the moment of temptation, say, no way, Jose. I'm not going to do it. You didn't have that ability before. You only could go a carnal route. But now that you're dead and raised with Christ, you've got this ability to live out righteousness because it's not your righteousness. 
and it's not my righteousness. We're living out the righteousness of Jesus. Paul calls this our in Christ self. Colossians 3.1, he says, but you, your life has been hidden with Christ in God. Your old life is dead. Your new life in Jesus, it's safe. It's hidden. It's in a secret place with, with Christ in God. It's secure. No one can take your righteousness from you. That doesn't mean it'll come out naturally, nat- naturally because you have to choose, right? We get to consider ourselves dead to sin and choose righteousness. But this is reality for you if you've come to Christ. Dead, raised, newness of life. Able to be righteous. My question, and it's a good thing to consider at the beginning of a new year, is, is this a reality for you? Do you know that you've come to Christ? You know it's possible to go to church for years and years and years and never know Jesus. I've told you about the uh, Episcopalian bishop that I met, who, who was a bishop for 10 years before he actually was preaching from John 3.16, heard the message he spoke, and gave his life to Jesus. He led himself to Christ as a bishop, very humble man, because he realized you can know a lot and not know him, right? So that's the question. Is it a reality for you this morning? Have you really died? Do you have a new life with Christ? You get to live that life out, that resurrected life in Christ. If we died, then we also will live with him. That's promise and foundation number one. Paul goes deeper. He says, if we endure, then we also will reign with him. So Paul started in the past. If you've already died and now you've become a new person in Christ, now he's talking about present. If from this point, as believers, we endure, the word really means keep persevering over and over again in the midst of difficulty. Has anyone ever experienced a long period of time that would constitute the midst of difficulty, right? And Paul says, if we endure, if we keep persevering, if we hold on to the end, this is not about works, but about faith. Faith that makes its way out of your life in works. Tricky stuff, right? But truth. This is about your heart, your faith. This is about an enduring attitude of Jesus wins in the end. And you live that out in your life. And so Paul says, if we endure, we'll reign with him. Philip Towner says this. I just love this quote, so I want to read it to you. The way of the Christian is a life in which human beings make visible the presence of Christ in mission. Rejoice in that visibility and faithfully accept the opposition that his presence provokes. The the life in Christ is a life in mission. We make visible what Jesus has done, right? You walk around as, don't take this in a heretical way, little Christs, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Your new life in Christ, you walk around representing Jesus, making the kingdom of God manifest and visible. And you rejoice in that visibility, even though sometimes you making Jesus known brings difficulty, brings suffering, brings endurance, requires endurance. But the end of that test of life is what? There's a reward. If we endure, it says we'll reign with him. We'll reign with Jesus. Ever read uh, the end of Revelation? Jesus comes, big white horse, 
eyes blazing with fire, sword, all sorts of stuff. And you know who's riding with Jesus in the end? Right here, dude. You and me. Triumph. We get to reign with Jesus. So if you look back to Genesis 1, 26 to 31, you see we were created to reign. Before the fall, God said, you guys are good, rule over the earth. And then this little problem happened, right? Sin messed things up a lot. And we've, we gave up our ability to reign, to rule over the earth. When Jesus beat death on the cross and we came into Christ, he restored our ability to reign. So we will reign in the end with Jesus. But Paul even says right now between the times, between the now and the not yet, 2 Corinthians, no, Romans 5, 17, he says this, this. Give me Romans. Do I have a Romans? Can anyone quote Romans 5, 17? Go farther. Sorry, Brian, I skipped so much stuff. He's saying, where are you? There we go, keep going. Yay! <laughs> Romans 5.17 5, says this, that if by one man the trespass came, by Adam the sin came, in the same way by one man righteousness comes in Jesus, right? And so those of us who have claimed the free gift of righteousness in Christ not by what we did, but what, by what he did through our faith, then the Bible says we reign in life with him. So Paul says there's a sense in which you were made to reign, you will reign, but even right now, I put it in quotes, you reign with Christ. We have power over sin in our lives. It doesn't mean we go around controlling people, you know? Do this, do that. No, it means that we have the kingdom of God mindset resident within us that says righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what reigning in life looks like. Anyone like a little more righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit? That's the kingdom of God, and it's our inheritance. So a question for this morning, what motivates you towards endurance? Romans 4, Paul says that Abraham hoped against all hope. Very strange phrase. Abraham was promised kids, as numerous as the stars. He's 100 years old, no kids. His wife is 90, no kids. And the Bible says that Abraham believed. He hoped against all hope. Which means everything looked like this will never work. God can no way keep his promise in the midst of my life. It's, a, it's too bad. And Paul says that against all hope, Abraham did what? He hoped. That's faith. That's enduring faith. In what area of your life do you have to hope against hope? Everyone has one. Everyone has a place where you just realize, I can't see how this is going to work out in the natural. This doesn't seem beatable. Victory does not look like it's around the corner. But against all hope, because of Jesus, we can hope. If we endure, we'll reign with him. Paul goes on. He says, 
third foundational truth. If we deny him, he will deny us. There is an eternal consequence connected to our relationship with Jesus. Can I say that again? Okay, I will. There's an eternal consequence connected with our, to our relationship with Jesus. I talked about this a couple of weeks ago from Matthew 10. Now, this is not saying a moment of, of faithlessness. This is a person who's presented with the good news of Jesus. They understand Jesus came as God, died, raised from the dead. And when Jesus says, can I exchange my life, my righteousness for your sin, they say no. The person who denies Jesus, who doesn't give Jesus access to their life of sin to transform it, is the person who will be denied by Jesus at the end. The scripture is real clear. You deny Jesus access to you now, and at the end of all time, he will deny you access to him. Not a lot of smiling happening. Not a lot of clapping or cheering. It's reality. This is why our lives lived for Christ in the power and the love of God are so important because there's eternal consequence. Our neighbors, our family members, our co-workers, our enemies, there's an eternal consequence related to their relationship with Jesus. And we may be the only Jesus that they ever really see and know. Don't keep guilt on yourself here. It's a bad motivation. Keep grace on yourself here. The grace that you walk in because of what Jesus did is available to all those people. And it, it just wants to flow through you. There is eternal consequence. If we deny him, he will deny us. I, I don't, you know, I don't want to cause 300 people this morning to go back and say, oh, I'm, I hope I did it. I hope I'm in. No, that, I'm not looking for that. Just this, God, you know me. And I want to be yours completely. Do you live in me? Do you reign in me? Paul says it's a good thing to examine yourself and find out, are you in Christ? Now, the best news for me personally is the fourth point. Paul says this, if we're faithless, he remains faithful. If we're faithless, he remains faithful. We're talking about a momentary loss of faith. Granted, some of our momentary losses of faith can last a day or a week or a month or a year. I had three years where I momentarily lost faith after my second time on the mission field. I just couldn't find God. It just seemed like this is hard, too hard, can't figure it out. But Paul's talking about a momentarily a momentary loss of faith. We struggle, right? We fall, we fail. Not an ongoing life of unbelief but we fail to act in faith. So you know what it feels like sometimes to fail to act in faith. That's being faithless. Not denying him, but being faithless. So look in the scriptures to Matthew 26, where, um, where Paul, uh, not Paul, Peter, denies Jesus. Remember? You know, Peter's there right before the crucifixion. He's like, I'm with you. I'll follow you to the end. If Everyone denies you. I won't. And Jesus gives Peter the not so good news. I'm sorry, Peter. But before the rooster makes his sound three times, you're going to do it. Peter's like, never. Within a day, Peter has denied Jesus three times. 
Literally, the words come out of his mouth after he swears, I never knew him. Right? Peter's not denying Jesus in the salvation way. He's, he's lost his faith in the moment. He's struggled. He's fallen. He's fallen hard, right? The big apostle says, I never knew the guy. And just days later, after the resurrection of Jesus, John chapter 20, 21, Jesus comes to Peter and he restores him. Jesus knows full well what happened, right? He saw the denial. He heard the denial. He prophesied the denial. He knew it was coming. And Jesus is able to look into Peter's eyes and say, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, you know I do. And Jesus recommissions Peter. He says, go feed my sheep. You're on my team. I never abandoned you. The, the point of the scripture here in 2 Timothy is this. We will be faithless. We will falter. We will change in the way we walk with God. But God will never change in the way he walks with us. God will never falter in the way he looks at us. God will never change his mind about us. We can be faithless. He remains faithful. Why? What's the Bible say? It says because he cannot deny himself. What? What's he saying? What's the point? Paul's saying this. Once you allow Jesus to come into your life, he rules there. He reigns there. He is resident. Every single one of us Christians is a temple of God filled with the Holy Spirit. When God looks at us, in spite of our sin, he sees Jesus. God doesn't look at our souls and and he's not uh, turned off. He's not disgusted with the sin that is in our lives, even as believers. He might be grieved, but not disgusted. Because when he looks at us spiritually, he sees the purity of Jesus. He sees the righteousness of Christ. And it's that righteousness, that Jesus within us, that spirit that God gave us, that's irresistible to God. So once God has called us into the family, he cannot expel us. So he he looks, he says, oh, there's Randy. He sinned again. You know what the father says? Yeah, I know, but I see my son. But I see my righteousness. I know he's faltering, but I will not falter. I will remain faithful. And so some people will say to this scripture, oh, so basically you do the whole I believe in Jesus thing and then you can sin the rest of your life and it's, you know, party time, right? Because once you're in, Jesus can't kick you out. Sorry about that, God. Fooled you, right? And Paul in another place in the Bible says, may it never be. Absolutely not. If you are able to walk in the world with a mindset of, well, gee, I'm a Christian, so I can do whatever I want, and God has to forgive me. You have not received the gospel. You haven't understood the truth. You may struggle against sin. You may falter in sin. But a redeemed person will not cast on Jesus that rebuke of, you know what, I'm just going to trample his blood in the ground and do whatever I want. You see, so the gospel truth is not a gospel of license. It's a gospel of freedom. Big difference between license and freedom. License, do whatever you want without any penalty. Freedom, do what you're called to do. Live within your new reality. 
live out the righteousness of Jesus. I've given you about 12 messages this morning. You can choose whichever one you want. You can go back and listen to them again by yourself with, you know. But I want you to hear this foundation of our faith. If we, if we die with Jesus, we'll live with him. Our conversion, our new life hidden in Christ with God. If we endure with him, keep living out faithful lives, keep hoping against hope, then Jesus says our reward will reign with him for eternity. Paul says this light and momentary affliction, this is nothing compared to the eternal weight of glory that's ours in Christ. We reign with him. If we deny him, he'll deny us. You don't let him in to do what he wants to do now. He cannot let you in at the end of all time. But if we're faithless, he remains faithful. Because when he looks at us and he sees his son Jesus, he's fully in love with us, he's captivated by us, he cannot say no to us. What's our response to all of that? Paul says it, 2 Corinthians 4. I don't know if it'll come up there. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 5. For Christ's love compels us. Christ's love compels us because we're convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. How do we respond to this theological truth? How do we live out of this foundation of faith we live our lives out in the world in the power and love of Jesus we, we choose righteousness because God's given us the ability to choose righteousness we announce the good news with our lives and with our lips we endure even when it's hard we endure and we walk in an attitude of grateful and joyful worship and praise because you know what this life is short, 70, 80, 90 years. It's going to be hard. The next life's eternal. And it's glory. It's glory. Let's pray. God, I ask now that um, you preserve the truth in this message. By your Holy Spirit, Lord, only what is right and true and pure, would you let it sink down into souls and infiltrate spirits and infect minds with the truth and the good news of the gospel. We ask, Lord, for um, the joy of living with Jesus, the power to endure difficulty, the courage to stand up for him, and the faith that even when we falter, that we are loved by God, irresistible in his sight. Lord, I pray for fruit to come out of this foundation in our lives. I pray that people will see Jesus in us, that the kingdom of God, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit will come down upon us, will wreck us for anything but living for him. Lord, have your way with us. We worship you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.